The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galena, and as always... I'm joined by my man, Scott Chu. Scott is working his fingers to the bone, still dealing with that torn M- MCL right there. Scott, how, how you holding up? Well, it's ACL. I don't know what oh, I It's an ACL, right? You tore I, something. I don't know. I, don't yeah, know. Yeah. I got an MRI. <laughs> I, I still haven't gotten my MRI. That's on, that's on uh, Thursday. But my knee, like from a medical standpoint, I'm not a doctor. But mm-hmm. my knee is just jacked. It's, <laughs> it's just completely destroyed. I can't, I can't do anything. I got a brace. I got a, I got some very nice canes though. Uh, so those have, those have helped, but I'm, I'm doing well. I'm having fun putting together my ranks. Um, the ones we're going to talk about today are kind of like the ones I like to start with a lot because of how many people in this position play another position mm-hmm. for fantasy. So when yeah. I do these ranks, I get the skeleton of all the other ranks ready to go. Right. Uh, and uh, what Scott's talking about is we're going to be uh, breaking down the fantasy baseball second base position. Last week, we did the first base uh, position. And like last week, we'll be discussing both Scott's ranks and the draft strategy behind those rankings. And uh, just as a reference point, we're recording this episode on Monday, February 7th. It's about 10 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, yesterday, Scott, uh, on Sunday, Justin Mason uh, and his wife, who you should be following on Twitter, uh, at Mrs. D. Salinger, put together a very entertaining video announcing the TGFBI, that's the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational League. They announced the league assignments yesterday. They did. Uh, They're, you know, obviously they are, um, they're the most fun. Of, yes. any, uh, of anybody. I, I love them to death. Uh, I'm really excited to be in TGFBI. I always enjoy doing it. Uh, I have varying success. I've done extremely well. I've done okay. And I've done really poorly. Uh, this year will be interesting with the number of folks that I sort of recognize. You know, the more years I'm in this industry, the more people I've run into. Brendan Tuma, who's at Fantasy Pros. Uh, he's, you know, he's in my league. Andrew Dewhurst, who I've worked with. Uh, Friends Fantasy Benefits and Fantasy Alarms in my league. Uh, our own uh, David Swan is out there nice. uh, and of course uh, the fantasy bad boy, the uh, mascot of fantasy himself, Yancey Eaton of Yancey Eaton fame. <laughs> yeah. In my league, I'm um, competing against uh, Jeff Erickson, Ryan Hallam from, from fantasy alarm, the legend, Lenny Melnick, uh, Brad Johnson. So, I mean, uh, TGFBI, it's an industry league made up of 31 15 team leagues that's 465 participants and uh, definitely want to thank justin mason follow him at justin mason fwfb uh, for allowing me to participate uh, once again this is my fifth tgfbi and like you you know i've done okay and then i've done horrible last year last season i, I just uh, my team just tanked so uh, i need to bounce back here and every season justin raises money for charity through the league and this season he's decided to donate half the league participants donations to emily walden's gofundme page emily is battling breast cancer she used to work at the athletic now she's with baseball america where she covers your tigers prospects so uh if you want to make a contribution to the 
uh, GoFundMe page. Just Google Emily Walden. That's W-A-L-D-O-N. And uh, GoFundMe, and you can make a donation there if you like. So what I love is that, you know, we get to do and participate in a fantasy league that's a lot of fun uh, and, and that we love to be a part of, but also get to help uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, <laughs> it's just a way to compete with all these people I like and have have I, I just like competing in an overall where I don't have to pay fifteen hundred dollars. And you know what? I, I mean, you know, I, I've never been in tout wars or labor. They're the other industry league, so this is a great chance also to play with a, a lot of different people in the industry as well. Well, but, you might as well be in in that because you've got Ariel Cohen and Mike Kirkland yeah, and yeah, Tristan Cockroft. It, it, it goes on and on and on. You're right. You know, yeah, Saris. Luck, and, that yeah, sucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the drafts take place, uh, Scott, on the uh, NFBC platform. You could choose where you prefer to uh, draft from. I know it's early. I think we have till the end of the month before the drafts take place. But where do you, where do you think that you'd want to be drafting from in a 15-team league at this stage? You know, the depth of talent at the top of the draft is very, very tempting to me. So I am sort of liking being more in like the middle of the first round. Like, I feel like every time I've picked anywhere from like fifth through 10th, I've felt really good about those first two picks. Like, man, how did this happen? And it's because there's a lot of talent at the top of the draft. So uh, I don't think there's these huge gaps like we've seen before where there's this crazy tier drop off. There is one, but nothing like we've seen in years past where it's like the worst spot to pick is fourth, right? Right. Uh, We're not dealing with any of that. So I kind of like being in the middle and it also helps me adjust during the draft Uh, instead of having to wait a full, you know, people that like the corners are like, it's cool to be at the turn, but you got to wait so long and so much happens between your picks. I get in my own head. So (laughs) I don't always like to be out there. I like the middle. I kind of agree with you, especially in, in a 15 teamer, you know, you get the first pick and, and you, and you get to choose the player that you love, but then you just might as well take a nap by the time it's time for you to make your, your next two picks. So, but uh, let's uh, dive right in into your uh, second base rankings. Never easy ranking players there, Scott, but were there any special nuances that you encountered when trying to rank? fantasy second baseman anything or was there anything that really sticks out at you yeah i mean a a couple a couple things i'll say right off the bat that were tough uh max muncie was tough at first base he was even tougher at second base (laughs) because it it felt like he could be really at the top of a tier or you know at the bottom of it and normally like you don't think about that very much but this is like the third tier Mm -hmm. (laughs) the, Mm -hmm. the first two tiers cover two players Right. So, so like that third tier itself is really rough. And then your risk tolerance is either going to put you around probably where I am at Max Muncy, or it's going to shove you like way down. Basically there's going to be two camps with Max Muncy. There's people that are willing to draft him and people that aren't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think how that's going to play out. Yeah. And uh, to continue our discussion about the second base position, it's going to be interesting this year because Gleyber Torres is going to be second base eligible before too long because he's expected to be the Yankees starting second baseman this season. In some leagues, Mookie Betts is going to be second base eligible. And then later on, we're going to have to decide what we want to do. And it's probably going to be more of a waiver wire decision or not uh, about a guy like Robinson Cano, who's coming back from a a long suspension. Yeah. I, I mean, the nice thing now is second base used to be like a total wasteland. Like it was a couple guys at the top and then it was just like, blah, but I mean, there's good players, you know, pretty deep into the list. I mean, there's in a 12 teamer, it's not ideal, but like, there's nothing wrong with Ryan McMahon, Edward, Eduardo Escobar and Luis Urias, who all can hit 25 plus home runs. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Can all, you know, are all going to play every day. Like those are, those are decent players. So like, on one hand, it is interesting to think about what's going to happen with Glaber Torres or, uh, you know, anyone else is really coming back. But like, I, I think of those three guys, Ryan McMahon, Eduardo Escobar, Luis Urias. If you're coming in and you can't be more interesting than those guys, and to a slightly lesser extent, Jonathan Scope, if you can't be as interesting as those guys, like I really don't care about you in a 12 team context because mm. you're replaceable. Not because right. you're not good. You're just utterly replaceable. Right. 
All right, so let's start at the top here. Your first two selections here, Trey Turner, who, when I quote ADP, I think for today I'll use Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings, uh, and we could also go back to the NFBC as well. But the Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings uh, combines RT Sports, NFBC, and Fantrax, and uh, gives you an aggregate of those uh, ADPs. And uh, on Fantasy Pros, Trey Turner, is, his ADP is two. He's second base shortstop eligible, going first overall in many preseason drafts. Uh, I'd say a 30-30 season is in his future. It, it might not happen this season, but I'm sure before he's done, he, he's going to have a 30-30 season. Five, real five-tool guy, uh, really looked comfortable getting traded to the Dodgers, didn't skip a beat. So I'll ask you this about Trey Turner and just in general. If you happen to get the first pick overall in, in a draft, who would it be? Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay. Uh, that's in a redraft. Because... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's in a redraft. That's in mm-hmm. any league. I, I just mm-hmm. think Fernando Tatis Jr. is is the future. I, I think that he's amazing. He and Shohei Otani are going to be the you know really what we think of for baseball for a long time. But uh, that said, I don't begrudge anyone who takes Trey Turner first and the deeper the league, the more tempted I am to do that. And here's why it's because when you talk about a first round pick, some people are going to be really risk averse, right? They really don't want to take a risk with their number one overall pick. And it, you know, Fernando Tatis to a lot of people represents a risk that risk being that his shoulder is going to fall off. Right. Um, that said, it wasn't that long ago that Trey Turner was a durability issue, right? Like he's now played two straight seasons and three of the last four, although one of those was a 60 game season, but um, he's missed a lot of games. Now that said, we do know that every time he plays, he's very good. So uh, it kind of almost doesn't even matter, but the huge power outburst plus going to you know, one of the best teams in baseball, everything about what he does is very repeatable. Um, everything about what he does. Like, so even if, and even if the power falls back, he, we were already taking him in the first round, the first mm-hmm. half of the first round. Right. So like he, he's also a very safe pick. There, there's no really he and Ozzy Albies who is later in ADP. And I had to make him in like his own tier because he's definitely always being taken as the second, second baseman, mm-hmm. right? He's not, and no one is debating Trey Turner, Ozzy Albies in any context, not in dynasty, not, not anywhere. So I can't put him in the same tier, but then he's like all on his own because he's definitely ahead of the third tier. You always take Ozzy Albies ahead of them. So he's, he's kind of a weird guy. Like he, you don't really think about him when you're valuing Oz, Ozzy Albies. You don't really think about him as like the number two second baseman. He's in, he's such a highly rated hitter that you're really thinking about like the top 20, 25 hitters. Cause who cares about position at that point anyway? Yeah. And fantasy pros has him as with an ADP of 21 and uh, NFBC also basically agrees that uh, Ozzy Albies with an ADP of 20. And just an aside, this season in, in redraft leagues, Tatis is incredible. You know, when when he plays, he's incredible. But I'm a, a little bit more risk-averse than you. And so uh, I, I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to uh, avoid him this season. But let's stick to the second base. We'll talk about uh, Tatis <laughs> when we do shortstops. But uh, next tier, now, is this the, the, the meat of the position? Is this where you want to grab your, your second baseman out of here, out of this tier? I mean, maybe, right? <laughs> uh, th- I mean, so this tier is, I mean, number one, it, it's got Marcus Simeon and Javier Baez in it, uh, who all, we'd also talk about at shortstop. But it's it's part of it's probably part of the meat, right? Like I really think you can probably feel good with anyone in tier three or four. It just depends how early in the draft you want to address it, what targets you had early in the draft that either worked out or didn't work out. But I am expecting that unless my hand is forced in the draft room, um, I'm probably going to end up with someone from tier three or four. 
All right, let's I'd let's probably... tell everyone real quick who's in tier three because you know the yeah, probably like, yeah, so... yeah, who the heck who the heck are you who talking are these, about? Who are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh Whit Merrifield is in this right. tier, uh second base outfield, steals, you know, steals a bunch of bases, hits for a good average, really safe player. Marcus Semyon, of course, now in Texas is second base and shortstop. Javier Baez is second base and shortstop eligible. Detroit scares me a little bit because he might lose some home runs there, mm-hmm. uh, but it should actually help his batting average, right? You know, if he makes, there's plenty of green for those hard hit line drives to fall. He just has to also not strike out a bazillion times. Right, right. Uh, Jose Altuve in this tier, steady old uh, Jose Altuve. And I have I have Max Muncy as my number seven overall second baseman. I have him at the end of the third tier. I think some people are going to think that's insane and that's fine. Uh, It all depends on how you take the no news from the Dodgers, which by the way, they never give us any news about anything. So (laughs) you can be risk averse. Just make sure like you make sure you understand the risk you're taking, right? right? The risk isn't like some piece of news we got. Right. He said, oh, my arm is healing a little more slowly in like November. Right. Like, <laughs> and, yeah. And like I said, I, I think it's been known now that it's we're talking about a torn uh, UCL. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which we, we know. Yeah. We know what the injury is. We know that we know that he's not getting surgery. They said that he does not need surgery. They said that pretty early. Uh, and that's like all we know. We also know that if, you know. If I knew he was healthy, which obviously he's not, if I knew he was healthy, he's probably maybe even a little higher for me, but this is probably around where a Max Muncy who plays 85% of the season should be. Yeah. I, I mean, we spoke about a lot about him last week, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on him on Max Muncy, but I'd feel more comfortable drafting him and knowing that there's going to be a universal DH because yeah. Shohei Otani was able to bat before he was able to pitch and he had Tommy John surgery. Right. So, so I I guess we got to think about it that way. No. Yeah. And he hit pretty well, if I Mm -hmm. recall. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the other thing is the the reason I'm talking about Max Muncy a lot is probably because he's, he's, he's going to be the biggest gap you see in my rankings between ADP. Mm -hmm. And this is where ADP is a limited tool. What Max, like Max Muncy's, like what's going to happen in the draft for you is probably not his ADP. It's probably more like his min and max, right? Like his range of outcomes is probably truly anywhere in his, his min and max, which is like really, really big. Right. It's like eight. Uh, I think when I pulled this data for just, I mean, I just looked at drafts for the last like two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ADP was one fifty six with a min of 88 and a max of two ten. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's. I mean, like, yes, there's a lot of players with that kind of range, but like, not with not players who, when healthy, would be a top seventy-five player, right? Top one hundred mm-hmm. player. This it's odd to see such a wide range. That's and, and like that usually tells you injury or role risk, whatever it is. We're worried how much they're going to play. No. Um, I wanted to touch on someone in this tier and get your opinion. You know, Whit Merrifield, you have him third, right? And 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 also in this tier. And I'm looking at, you know, his numbers and, you know, 30 stolen bases last season, hits for average. The power seems to be waning. And I kind of look at his, you know, what, what I think he's going to do this year. And then I look at what I think Tommy Edmond might do this year. And to me, they're not that far off. I mean, am I, am I, am I crazy for saying that? I mean, they're both second base outfield eligible, you know, uh, Merrifield might give you maybe 10 extra points, maybe 15 extra points in batting average. But when it comes to power output, uh, you know, they're both basically a 10, 12 Homer guy and they both could steal 30 bases, but you know, if if you wait, you could get Tommy Edmond uh, much later. This is a really interesting question that you pose because it's like the number one thing you're going to see on Twitter for the next bazillion weeks um, <laughs> until until we're done drafting. Right. And here's the thing. So you looked at Whit Merrifield's numbers from last year. You looked at Tommy Edmond's numbers from last year, right? They qualify at the exact same positions. 
If I was to run the Fangraphs auction auction calculator using the actual values from 2021, two sixty dollar, you know, two hundred sixty dollar auction calculator, uh, normal five by five, twelve team, five outfield. How far apart do you think those two are in the rankings from last year and in the dollar values? Just because because their stats look the same with the eye test, right? You think, but I'm also right noticing that you know Merrifield's power numbers are kind of like at one point I think at least I did I thought that this guy could you know approach 20 home runs every season, but you know you look at you know 2017 19 home runs, 2018 12, 2019 16, last season 162 games, 10 home runs. Yeah, that well, part and was 40 weird. stolen bases. Yeah, that that part was you know was kind of weird to me as well. Uh, I wasn't entirely sure what to make of that, but the thing is you look at the stats and you really think that they must be pretty close, but the way that it works out when you actually crunch like the dollars earned, Mm -hmm. it's not very close, right? Whit Merrifield finished last year as the number four second baseman in five by five. Tommy Edmond was 11th, right? Whit Merrifield earned $24. Tommy Edmond earned 14. Right. Those are huge differences. Mm-hmm. So when we say like, but, but the reason you're doing that is the same reason I've done it for years because the stats sort of look the same and our brain is like, Oh, they're kind of close. So it must be the same, but he had like 40 more plate appearances with a batting average. That was 15 points better. Like that matters, right? He had like 20 more RBI that matters, right? Like those things do matter. So we're so hyper-focused on like power and stolen base numbers. And they both had like a lot of runs. We're like, oh, so it's about the same. And they both have an okay average. So it's about the same. But like 15 points of average and 20 RBI end up being a lot of dollars, especially when you think about like, they don't like each individual stat isn't worth a cent, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't get money. It's not like war where they accumulate for each thing they do. It's about when you use these like, dollar value generators, these auction calculators, what they're doing is something better than that, which is like comparing them to like the average and how much better than average they are. And like when you're looking at guys who it looks like they're kind of close together, second base is deep. So it's not that weird to have a huge gap between two guys because of 20 RBI and 15 points of batting average. That's a very realistic thing. So don't like just because Whit Merrifield and Tommy Edmond have similar home run and stolen base numbers. You got to look deeper than that. Those 15 points of batting average, they matter, especially when it's 30 more uh, plate appearances, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of things you got to look at and really like find those auction calculators or dollar value generators that you trust because your eyes will fool you. Let the math help you. Your eyes are going to be really, they're going to really gravitate towards home run stolen bases, Right. And they're going to kind of disregard things like batting average. And they're going to think of things for runs in RBI that like, oh, they're close, right? Oh, it's just 10 here, 10 there, right? But that matters. All those things matter. Let the computer give you that information. That's why the eye test will fool you. That's why making these ranks is harder than you think. Mm-hmm. Because even if you did think they're going to have similar seasons, would you rank them right next to each other? No. Because I, I think... Whether you like you think you're going to have the same season, how many people think that Tommy Edmonds going to have a better season? Well, I, I did acknowledge. I said, I said that he no, was no. going to. No, I said no, that Merrifield I, was going to give you the ten to fifteen, uh, you know, a, a ten to fifteen point better batting average than 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 uh, Edmund would. But I, yeah, I, yeah I, I understand where you're coming from. Oh no, yeah, and, and you're you're point. totally you're totally right. Like we all do this. I do this. Like when I do these rankings, the biggest thing that happens is I. I do the same exact thing. I fall for the same trap and I've had to learn to let the numbers help me. Um, especially when it comes to things like batting average, mm-hmm. like you can trust your eyes with just like comparing stats, but like, especially things like batting average, because batting average is not one stat. It's two, right? It's batting average and plate appearances, right? Um, you really need to factor in both because the number of plate appearances at that batting average makes a big difference, right? Like mm-hmm. an extra 30, 40, 50 plate appearances at a better batting average has a much bigger impact. So that's why like, I, I'm really harping on this, like focus on the, like trust the machines to help you understand the impact of those things. 
our natural human brain biases will trick us. Mm-hmm. And that's why people with these strong systems like the Todd Zolas and Phil DeSalts of the world, like aren't as easily fooled by normal human brain things because they took their brains out of some of it. Mm-hmm. This is one of the, those things to take it out of trying to intuitively understand how much more impact one batting average had than the other without really like being very, very good at math. Right. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Do we want to discuss any other players here in the third tier or should we jump over to tier four? I mean, they're just, they're really tightly drafted in a lot of ways. Like Whit Merrifield and Marcus Simeon by ADP will probably go at like the top of this, but then like the next, really like the next two tiers, like they're picked in a really, really close succession, right? Like I put a tier break in there, but the ADP often suggests that there isn't one, right? Like they have very similar min picks, very similar max picks. It's really not until you get to like DJ LeMayhew that you start who I I've ranked later. Who's at the, who's now the start of uh, tier five. That's when you start to see things break out. But the reason three and four are so important is because they're all going to be taken like next to each other. And they're all like, it is really like a big drop off in terms of like upside from these guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actual production might end up being similar, but upside changes rapidly after the Cattell Martes, Jorge Polanco's and Tommy Edmonds of the world. Right. Um, The one thing I did notice um, in comparing your rank, of Jazz Chisholm, uh, you have him ranked 13th and in the fourth tier. And NFBC drafts, I believe they have him seventh overall amongst second basemen. Yeah, they do. And do you know why? Because the NFBC heavily values that hot, nasty speed to go after that overall, hmm. right? Like you got to get speed to have a shot at the overall. Most fantasy baseball players aren't playing in a competition with an overall, right? And so it makes the steals much less valuable. In fact, if you're playing in a head-to-head fantasy league, um, those steals go from like the most valuable thing to almost a throwaway. Steals are really finicky in head-to-head leagues and points they're often just like way like valued way low compared to getting on base just with your bat. Mm-hmm. And then in Weekly leagues like stolen bases don't come in like a particular fashion or time, right? Like you don't just, it's not like Roto where you just get the stats no matter when they happen. If you had Nikki Lopez sitting on your bench all year uh, and then you cut him at the end of, let's say July, because he had been bad, right? He'd been pretty objectively bad up through the end of July. You would have been fine. And you would have, I mean, he would have stolen you maybe like, I think like six bases, eight bases at that time. And then Mm -hmm. he stole 10 in a month. (laughs) Right. And like, we all know what Starling Marte did last year. He like doubled his stolen base totals in a week and a half. Mm -hmm. Like he just started flying. So in head to head leagues, I push jazz down even further, right? Like he does have upside. I think that there's 2020 upside there for sure. In terms of power and speed. I think he needs to fix some things on the plate discipline side. Sure. Uh, like most young players do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, he is super toolsy. Miami's going to play him every single day. The fact of the matter is just like, he's definitely better than like DJ LeMahieu or Jake Cronenworth. I right. want Jazz Chisholm before those guys um, because of the upside, but like the downside, especially in head to head is a player that's really difficult to use. Right. And uh, according to fantasy pros consensus ADPs, they're kind of more in line uh, with yours when it comes to Chisholm. Uh, they have him as the 11th second baseman coming off the board. And uh, like you said, I mean, uh, you know, power and speed potential had a 28.6 K rate last season. So needs to uh, work on his discipline a little bit. High ceiling kind of guy. One thing I did notice that as, as the season went on last, he had a upswing in his first pitch strike. So as the season wore on, he started to get in the hole more often in his at-bat. So uh, discipline's an issue for him. And he's young, and and I think uh, that should improve. Yeah, and let's be clear. I'm totally fine with him swinging at the first pitch. He's young. He's athletic. He's got great bat speed. Let him swing. Like, I I totally agree with you. 
his first pitch swinging wasn't the good kind of first pitch swinging because mm-hmm. he should be making contact with those. He shouldn't be having so many first pitch strikes. But I like that he's aggressive. I think Miami will keep him aggressive. And I think that there could be a really good player there. I just hope this isn't, and, and I don't think it is. So please don't get scared when I say it. I think the downside here is a Dylan Moore scenario where you've got this super fast, like 2020 guy, but play discipline problems. And then the batting average craters and it all falls apart because you can't steal bases when you hit 220. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the part you got to worry about. You got to hope the bottom doesn't fall off, but if he can continue to make adjustments. And if you watched my presentation on rolling charts, keep an eye on those charts and make sure those dips don't just bottom out. That's the thing you have to worry about. No. Anyone else in this tier that you think has an opportunity to outproduce their ADP? Like anybody stick out at you? I mean, Jonathan India, still a young guy. Uh, Obviously, I I think you and I both like Jorge Polanco a lot uh, in this tier. Anybody else stick out at you? Um, No, I mean, I think they're just, these are all players that, that I kind of like, right? So your opinion of like, one thing I'll tell you to do is if you're, if you have a strong opinion of Brandon Lau uh, or low, I, I never remember. No, you're right. It's Lau. And I think yes. maybe let's take Why it. Did I yeah. You, you, myself? <laughs> and, and, yeah in, in my notes, Brandon I actually, Lau. in my notes, I actually wrote his name is loud so that I, I would yeah, yeah. L-O-U-D, just, right. but yeah. we should also, just before you continue, let's tell, I think we, we discussed who's in your tier three. Let me just give them who's in your tier four. Real quick, Kettle Marte, Brandon Lau, uh, Jonathan <laughs> India, Jorge Polanco, uh, Tommy Edmond, and Jazz Chisholm. Yeah. And so, like, in terms of like standing out, obviously, like the upsides with Jazz Chisholm, because he could show us power and speed that I don't think anyone else in this tier or in the tiers after him, frankly, have, right? Like, he's a 2020, like, he's a real 2020 upside guy. And he's the last one in this position. I just don't think there's anyone else that's going to do that realistically or even has an outside shot at it besides like him and maybe Tommy Edmond, but probably not. So that's like, he's the one that stands out. Obviously I like the, you know, I think Brandon Lau is the one that I'm targeting the most Mm -hmm. simply because I find that there's a lot of people that were really burned by a cold stretch he had last year where he was really, really bad but they have to remember that he got real good. Like Brandon, Brandon, he, the final lines are always deceptive. I mean, that's the whole reason I do the rolling charts presentation, but you don't even need necessarily a rolling chart to kind of see what, what happened and why his season was weird. And you can just go like month to month, like the power's always there, but like the batting average, he was hitting less than 200 all the way up through the end of May. Hmm. He batted then, 198 against lefties all season long. Yeah. So that's going to bring, that's automatically going to bring his overall batting average, in my opinion, is going to hover around 250. Yeah. You know, but anyone, yeah. And, and while I don't recommend just like taking first and second half splits, like his are wild, right? They're wild. He hit 208 in the first, 291 in the second half, right? Like, with 280 versus 335 plate appearances. Like he totally turned his season around Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Uh, His plate discipline is always a little spotty I'd say, but he certainly got a lot better with it. And actually that's where the whole change happens. It's almost like a light switch in June. He's striking out still striking out a lot. And then in July, he just decides he doesn't want to strike out that much anymore. I haven't dove in enough to find out exactly how that happened, but he totally fixes his plate discipline. He takes that strikeout rate down to like a very manageable 25%. And then it continues to drop like in September and October, it was only 22. Uh, He walked less, but he was aggressive with the bat and he was making contact. The guy was posting monthly OPSs of 900 and above. He had two different months with an OPS over a thousand, right? So that's a guy I think that could really could really explode. And I think that his overall numbers are being dragged down by two really bad months that even then, like they look so, so bad. But then when you look at the weighted runs graded plus, they're actually like palatable, like Mm -hmm. as bad as he looked versus lefties, like the WRC plus is bad, but it's 83. And I would have thought it would be like 50. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, and among all these second basemen here, no matter what tier, uh, you know, you, if Max uh, Muncy is healthy, he's going to hit, you know, 30 to 35 home runs. And Brandon Lau is a guy who's going to challenge him for the most home runs among, among second basemen. He hit 39 last season and, and 35 he could do, you know, very easily. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he's really like the other big power threat here. I mean, there's players with power for sure. Like there's plenty of mm-hmm. guys who can threaten 30, right? right? You know, you get, you get Jorge Polanco hot enough. I mean, he'll, he'll push for 30. Uh, those guys I talked about earlier, Eduardo Escobar, Ryan McMahon, Luis Arias, they could push for 30 on a hot season. Um, but like the 35, Simeon will will go for 30. I mean, you know, he had 45 last season, but I I don't know if I love that park for him, but I don't, you know, yeah, that's going to be rough. Yeah. But still, I mean, 30 is a definite possibility for him. Yeah. I mean, the, the lineups got a lot better as well, but again, like when you're, when you're looking for like the premium power, like other people are going to be able to get to 30 home runs out of that second base spot. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be able to get to 35, 40 out of that spot. And you don't have to be the one that does that, but it's kind of nice when you are. And if Max Muncy is going to miss significant time, uh, Brandon Lau leading second base in home runs seems like a really good bet to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll continue breaking down the second base position. Uh, we've gone through uh, the first four tiers. Uh, if you want to talk a little bit more about any of these guys that we've uh, uh, spoken about, Scott, we can. If not, then we're going to move on to tiers five and six right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show And we're back, Joe Galina, Scott Chu, Hacks and Jacks, breaking down the fantasy second base position, looking at Scott Chu's ranks and uh, draft strategy, too, when it comes to second base position. These are going live, right? I mean, we're like I said, we're recording this podcast uh, on Monday night, and by the time this podcast is, is dropped, uh, you're going to know what uh, PL7 looks like, right? Yeah, you will. And it's really exciting. I don't know if these specific second base rankings will be up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, on launch day, uh, there's a set of rankings that were released. And then throughout the rest of this week, we're going to release the rest. It's simply because there's a whole bunch of them. Um, and, you know, we're, we're human beings. It, it was, you know, I, I've certainly got other things going on. This stupid knee among <laughs> them. But uh, we are we are really excited about PL7. And there's even more stuff that's not going to be there at launch. And um, like, I'm not going to spoil too much, but like my favorite thing in the world is going to be something we can do uh, on, on our website for our players. So, you know, whatever that means, it's going to be something we can do on our website using StatCast data. <laughs> yes. Awesome stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff. Can't wait to see it in action. Okay. So why don't we move over to, uh, tier five, unless you, there's a, a few other players that you want to speak about that were in the previous uh, tiers, but uh, tier five, you, you start off with DJ LeMahieu, Jake Cronenworth, Ty France, Brendan Rogers, Chris Taylor, Ryan McMahon, Eduardo Escobar, uh, Luis Urias, Jonathan Scope. 
So, I mean, this is a real interesting tier. Yeah, there's a, a few guys in here that I really wouldn't mind if I, if I had to, depending on my draft strategy, making my, my starting uh, second baseman. I mean, I, I like Jake Cronenworth and Ty France. They're both first base and second base eligible, and, and Cronenworth adds shortstop to it. But I like them better, Cronenworth and Ty France, as second baseman than first baseman when it comes to fantasy, based on yeah. expected production. Yeah, you know, the weird thing about second base is second base, like we're listing all these guys, but it's actually going to feel more shallow than this because these guys all play other positions as well. And they'll be drafted in many cases for one of those other positions and not second base. So for example, the people drafting Marcus Semyon or Javier Baez could use them at shortstop or second base, which means the second base pool might have lost two of its best players. And all of a sudden looks a whole lot more shallow, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if like Trey Turner, if Trey Turner, Marcus Simeon and Javier Baez all get moved to like, all are that team's shortstop, which is likely shortstop is also like super, like it is super loaded, but you might decide like you're set and you wait, like those people want to wait on second base, but you're the second base pool just becomes more shallow it evaporates because of how many guys could just be drafted for their other position. Right. I mean, even in this, like this particular tier, tier five, uh, is entirely made up of multi-eligible players. Mm-hmm. LeMahieu, Cronenworth, France, Rogers, Taylor, McMahon, Escobar, Urias, Scope. They are all eligible at multiple positions. Four of them are eligible at three positions, right? With LeMahieu, Cronenworth, Taylor, and Urias. So, mm-hmm. Like this, this whole range, like I'm comfortable with a lot of these guys. And here's the thing. One of these guys might end up being your, I forgot about a second baseman. So I guess this is my guy. Sure. Mm -hmm. This is where in a 12 team league, that's maybe possible. It'd be harder in the Yahoo format where there's not a middle infield. So you're really going to wish you had someone better than this uh, in that, in that second base spot. But if you don't, you can survive. You can beg, borrow, and steal your way to streaming. And I know it sounds crazy, but in 12-team leagues, you can app, especially the Yahoo format, but to some extent, like ESPN or CBS, you can stream the back end of this position if you have to. You just have to know what you're going to get. And I think the back of this position tells you exactly what to expect from this tier, which is the mcmahon escobar Urias scope. Power. 250 batting average. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you get is great. Maybe a couple steals, right? Like, and, and then that's where, like, after that, it's it's just kind of weirder. And just not like the next tier is not viable in 12 team leagues. Mm-hmm. But this and maybe that's what I'm really trying to say. This is the end of the viability in a 12 team league. Maybe the top of the next tier, Colton Wong, if he's like you know, batting towards the top of the lineup and stealing, he be, he could like move up mm-hmm. into five, but like I'm also not entirely sure how they're going to work playing time out in Milwaukee's middle infield mm-hmm. yet. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, so he could get bumped up. But I mean, the rest of these guys they are streamers at best. Kike Hernandez, Josh Rojas. I mean, I'll let you go through the rest, but. They're going to be situational or streamers at best. Uh, I happen to like Kiki Hernandez, which is weird for a Yankee fan, like in a Red Sox player. But in, staying with tier five for just a second, anyone in this tier that you're kind of concerned about that might not get the regular playing time or you, you're confident that everybody's going to get, you know, at least 500 plate appearances here. Uh, you know, Eduardo Escobar, you're confident that he's going to get, you know, plenty of playing time. Uh, with the Mets, uh, you know, you, like we mentioned Cano. I mean, what are the Mets going to do with Cano? Don't you know? <laughs> I'm, I like, I had almost forgotten about him. Sometimes I think the Mets might have forgotten about him, like un- <laughs> until his like paycheck comes out of yeah. the of the account. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we're still paying that guy. Yeah, it's thank like God for the DH because if he does come back, the guy could hit. Yeah, well, <laughs> Eduardo Escobar is like the hello fre- is like hello fresh to me. Where it's like, I, 
or Robinson Cano. I like keep forgetting he exists until like it comes up on my bank statement. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna get the vegetable bean soup again. Like, ah, like because I forgot to cancel it, and they forgot to cancel it. And now they're gonna be stuck with the vegetable bean soup, which is a fine soup, but like not what you paid eighty seven dollars to have delivered to your door every month or whatever. Uh, that's that's what Robinson Cano is for them. I don't rank him. Uh, I and you shouldn't. I agree that he shouldn't be a top thirty. Guy, I but I'm just, I ranked know. a lot of guys, and I ha- mm-hmm. I think I had him down at like forty five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah, that's the number, and I don't even think that's a real rank. Uh, that's just like where the projection system I use spit him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would take other guys that are under him above him because I think they might be interesting, and I don't think Robinson Cano will be. But either way, like this tier, I'm not too worried about playing time yet. Like there's no, you know, Jake, if Jake Cronenworth was going to lose playing time, it was going to be last year. Mm-hmm. Unless Haseon Kim has made some huge adjustment. Uh, you know, Jake Cronenworth should be very, very safe. I wondered if you were baiting me about Brendan Rogers because of my utter lack of faith in Colorado. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I like Brendan Rogers. I'm not. I do as well. I, I, I'm not putting, I, you know, I'm not putting in a lot to get him. I'm not having to like reach for Brendan Rogers. Uh, he's just a guy that you often take as like a back end sort of, sort of guy. And I think there's actually room to go around. That's the weirdest thing is there's actually room for Garrett Hampson, Brendan Rogers and Ryan McMahon all at the same time. All they had to do was gut their team and turn into uh a team that's probably going to lose for a decade, but that's all they had to do. (laughs) All they had to do was completely gut their team and now be this weird middle-aged team with apps with like very little upside, but like they, they made room for their young players who are now 25, 20 and 27 and 27. Mm -hmm. They finally made room. Hey, better late than never. Right. And uh, fantasy pros does agree with you ranked uh, Brendan Rogers 17th. According to Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings, he's uh, 20th second baseman taken off the board, uh, 165 ADP. But uh, like you, I I like him as well. And it will be interesting, right? Because we have, uh, you know, Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rodgers. You know, like I said, uh, according to your ranking, 17th for Rodgers and Ryan McMahon, 19th. And and then you got, like you said, Garrett Hampson just outside the top 30. And it's going to be weird. But I think that all three of them could put up you know, not tremendous numbers, but could uh, could be somewhat fantasy viable. Yeah, I mean, a lot of draft and holds are gonna are gonna be really excited to grab a Garrett Hampson, uh, especially because of the speed upside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we've played this game before with him. Uh, and, and just to put into context, like there's a reason that I have an utter lack of faith in Colorado's ability to develop players and give them playing time. And that's because Brendan Rogers has been their number one prospect pretty much since they drafted him in 2015. Yeah. He's been in their system for seven years. He's just now getting a shot. Yeah. I've been following his minor league career for for years now. You're right. They drafted (laughs) Garrett Hampson in the third round in 2016. Ryan McMahon, that was a second round pick in 2013. I was like still in (laughs) law school when they drafted Ryan McMahon. It was a lifetime ago. Mm -hmm. But don't worry. They finally made time. They got time. Poor Ryan McMahon's been sitting here with an option. He's got to be the only guy with the number of plate appearances who was drafted. Like the only guy from the 2013 draft class that's still in the league and like has an option and he plays for the freaking Rockies. So he's like, oh my God, they might use it. Like they might send me down <laughs> for, for God knows why. There's, there's my, there's my, uh, required rant against the Rockies. Yeah, I, I knew I knew it was coming. I didn't I wasn't uh, intentionally baiting you, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I mentioned uh, you know, Rogers just to get that poor out of you. Ro- poor <laughs> Ryan McMahon. He's going to get optioned <laughs> because it's stupid. Or like Connor Joe has got two options. I I I like Connor Joe. He's got some outside blah blah blah. We'll talk about it in the outfield, but but like uh this team is so frustrating. Hmm. And now they can all play. Now that they're uh Post, post, post type sleepers. They're all playing now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's go to uh, tier six r- r- real quick. Uh, Colton Wong, like you mentioned, uh, Enrique Hernandez, Josh Rojas, M- Nick Madrigal, who I forgot got traded to the Cubs. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, 
Gavin Lux, Adam Frazier, and you close it out with Gene Segura. Uh, I actually, like I said before, I, I kind of like uh, Enrique or Kike Hernandez. Second base outfield eligible. Uh, 28th second baseman coming off the board according to Fantasy Pros. What I liked about him, Scott, was you know he got to Fenway and he kind of changed his approach a little bit to suit his surroundings, right? I mean, uh, posted career high in fly balls, 32.6, pull rate, right, which is important uh, for a a right-handed hitter uh, with the green monster there. Barreled up on the ball at the highest rate of his career. And then you can't forget what he did in the playoffs. Playoffs? Even though it doesn't help us in in season-long fantasy, but batted 408, and, and hit five home runs in the in the playoffs. So I, I just think that, you know, Fenway Park seems to be a pretty good fit for him. Yeah, and what's not to like about him, right? The thing with him, and I know I, f- I feel so negative, he, he is in a good, <laughs> he's in a good position. Like they let him lead off. He's this like weird, unconventional leadoff man and everybody loves it, uh, you know, as far as his managers go. There's there's some value there, but like the the full season upside just isn't there. He's... He's just, he's replacement. He's a replacement level guy for fantasy purposes. He's much mm-hmm. better than that in real life, but for fantasy purposes, he ends up being this replacement level guy who you stream when he's going to face like a bunch of lefties or just has like some soft matchups in general where he's going to be leading off. Uh, that's about it. So, you know, he's, he's a guy that I want to like more because I like him, but like I, the, the fantasy numbers just like don't end up, being there and they don't end up supporting like anytime you want to push him up you just can't like even last season you want to be like that was a pretty decent season right like 84 runs scored he did hit 20 home runs but like again that's like that's just a lesser version of some of the guys we already talked about like yeah his Mm -hmm. plate discipline is better but that doesn't show up in the five by five lines right? right it shows up in his maybe his overall consistency but also the projections they have for Kike Hernandez don't make any sense to me because they have way too many RBI. Mm. They 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 think he's going to beat his RBI by like 20. And I don't get it because he's going to lead off a lot for no particular reason. Right. I, I guess I'm kind of with you. He's probably more of a, a streaming option. Uh, but uh, like I said, I was just impressed that, that he was able to adjust his approach to his surroundings. But uh, hey, um, not often that, you know, you're going to hear me uh, – praising a Red Sox player as a Yankee fan. But uh, anybody else in this tier that you think that um, has an opportunity to uh, really kind of, again, outplay their ADP, outplay their tier? How about Gavin Lux? Go ahead. They all have an, op- they all have an opportunity. Everybody has an opportunity. That. This is America, for crying out loud. Except for Gene Segura. Gene Segura is going to do exactly what Gene Segura always does. I will rank him 30th at my second base rankings until he retires. Hmm. Because... Every projection system is going to put him a lot higher than that because he's an accumulator. He's this guy that's going to get like 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and he's going to get a bunch of points added because of the batting average, right? And the ton of plate appearances that he gets because he plays every single day, right? But he's not actually that good at any of those things. And in a 12-team league, you can you can stream better than Gene Segura, even if you don't draft a second baseman. I guarantee you can stream Gene Segura by either constantly streaming or cutting guys until someone else clicks in a 12 teamer, right? In a 15 teamer, his value changes a lot because you need those plate appearances, but in a 12 teamer, you don't need the plate appearances because there will be guys who play every day on the wire. The, the plate appearances don't matter like they do in a 15 team league. Hmm. So in those shallower leagues, like Gene Segura goes from like a very useful middle infielder to a non-consideration because he doesn't have enough upside to always warrant the bench spot. But what do you think uh, his end numbers are going to be? Because I, I have him. Yeah, yeah, I, I have him as like a, a 280, 15 homer, 10 stolen base guy. Am I being too optimistic here? Uh, I mean, that's kind of what he did last season, I guess. Mm-hmm. He he hit pretty well. I mean, he finished as like a fringy top 25 second baseman. He'll mm-hmm. probably finish better than 30th. But I put him at 30th because I'm a petty man and I want to make a point. 
Yeah, you want to teach him a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, not yeah this is him, where right? you're going like, to go. Yeah. <laughs> not just him, right? But it's like he's actually very he, – he's this injury replacement that's also hard to use situationally because when you add him, you're not – add like a lot of times when you add a player, you're like, well, I need this stat, right? I'm behind on steals. I want to get someone. That's when in this tier – I kind of like a guy like Nick Madrigal, who at one time we were taking near the top 50 picks or top mm-hmm. 150 picks, right? At one time, which was the beginning of last year, <laughs> like yeah. one year ago today. We cared a lot more about Nick Madrigal than we do now. Obviously, a lot of things have changed. Uh, and we also know that he has like absolutely no power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he only stole one base in 54 <laughs> games. Like that's the part right. that's scary, that he's played a lot of he's played 83 major league games and only has three steals. Mm-hmm. That's not going to cut it. Uh, but his speed suggests he should be faster than that. He should make good. He should continue to make good contact. Those numbers uh, have been real good, right? The plate discipline is awesome. Yes. He's, he's this very, uh, right now. The problem is he looks very much like this David Fletcher, Luis Arias sort of guy, but not multi-positional eligible which is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. And his role is in flux, but yeah, but you know, he puts a lot of balls in play. There's this universe where if he can get, just be at the top of a lineup, he could do some damage up there still. Like he would be a great fit in like Kansas city. Cause they wouldn't have anything to do with him, but make him run. And he would just run until his legs, you know, until there were no more bases to steal. He would steal all the bases and no park would have any bases left. It's all they do. But they can't do that. Uh, so the Cubs hopefully steal more than the White Sox do. But I haven't done the research on that. And uh, eh, he he's going to be this guy that's very situational. Mm-hmm. It's I need batting average and speed. But at least he's then someone that you could add. Like, oh, he's got great batting average and he's going to be facing the you know, a team with a terrible battery right. this yeah. week. That's what I see him more as like a, a streamer, waiver wire ad, where all of a sudden you're going to be, you know, sorting uh, with the, in the stolen base position. And, you know, let's say uh, in May, he might have seven stolen bases. Say, wow, okay. And, and like you mentioned, he'll have the, the, the good uh, batting average. And, uh, you know, it depends where he would hit in the lineup too. Might have some run production as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to go out and draft him, but he's somebody that's going to be on my watch list. No, he's like a draft champions kind of guy. You don't have mm-hmm. to draft him. And that's, that's true of all these back end guys. And like, what's fun is there are a lot of exciting players in the back, like in the backs of these positions, mm-hmm. they just kind of don't matter that much in 12 team fantasy leagues. Right. And so I have to keep saying that. So like, I don't make you think that like, Oh, I'm really excited about this player. So you should draft him in your 12 team Yahoo league. Like, I can be as excited about an opportunity for uh, Luis Arias as I want, which could be very exciting, right? I, I love Luis Arias, but like, I just can't tell you to draft him in a 12 team league because he's right. not going to do enough. Right. There's, there's just not a net. There's not enough potential universes where he finishes inside the top 15 of the position. Mm-hmm. Anybody else that, did it make the cut that you think or that you were struggling with that you think that might uh, surprise us? Uh, no, but I'm going to talk about these guys anyway. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I, I am unreasonably a, a fan of Isak Paradis. He's with the Tigers. He has no defensive position. He's not very strong defensively, but he did rake in AAA last year. He had some time in the major leagues. He did all right. There's not really a place for him on this team, especially uh, if you think Torkelson's going to break camp, which I think there's a really good shot. He's got a really good shot to do so, and then there's nowhere to play him. But he's got a really good hit tool, and he's a really he's this guy that could be Ty Francis in a way in terms of like stat output. Mm-hmm. But he'd have to get the opportunity, and I think he's far from it. So like, there's there's a player in there who could very well be if if he had a full-time job if for whatever reason the world ends and he's got a full-time job i would definitely be putting him in tier six at least mm-hmm. uh, well tier six only he he can only go in tier six but he'd be in tier six but i can't right because Is he gonna he's, break camp with the team you probably like even if he does he won't play mm-hmm. right he's a guy like that's a very deep guy i'm looking at like how about the rise and fall of nick solak 
Like that's that's crazy. And Willie yeah. Castro. Yeah. Uh, th- there's there's going to be names that you're like, weren't we talking about this guy a lot last year? Uh, yeah. at the I back expected of a lot more out of Solak, and then now they Rangers have uh, middle and field is set right, but uh, Solak's going to be playing the outfield a little bit. I guess so, but like Tommy Lastella has shown that he can be an interesting player, mm-hmm. right? David Bodie gets hot once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Jed Lowry is probably going to have a hot. Like, don't fall for it again. Like, let him <laughs> just have his hot April, and then like just let it go. That's all that's going to happen. Um, even Hanser Alberto is a free agent. He actually had a fantasy relevant season. So like, there's interesting stuff down here for you. Runyan Odor is going to hit some home runs for the for the Orioles, but he's going to bat uh, 200. That's the yeah, issue. Yeah, this, this guy is amazing. <laughs> he keeps getting work. Yeah. Like there's something he like he he's he has no like he has no business making it onto this many teams. <laughs> <laughs> like for being as bad, like for his beat, like a less. How does a less than one war player? I have to say like, that watching him every day for a while with the Yankees last season, uh, he's his enthusiasm is infectious. Like, like is it, he's like the first guy that runs out of the dugout to, you know, slap a hand or congratulate someone. But again, you're right. I mean, you know, he's got some power, but, but can't hit, <laughs> you know, can't hit for average. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's gotten many opportunities now and uh, sometimes you wonder why, I, but look I'm where he's you, playing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's this thing where like what happens is they pick up rooting out door and they go, he could hit 30 home runs. <laughs> and it's like, a, that's a ton of guys in baseball now. It yeah. was like, Rupnet Odor's been around a long time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he broke. He could fight. We, we know he could fight. He could throw yeah, a punch. Yeah, he could fight. <laughs> like, that was a long, that was with Jose Batista. That's how old, like, that's how long he's been in the league. Right. That fight was with Jose Batista. <laughs> right. He's not in the league. He hasn't right. been in the league. Right. So, so that's the thing. Like, he's, he's he's only this is his age 28 season which is Mm -hmm. just wild to me because he's been around forever but like he's this guy where even if they gave him full playing time he'd hit his 30 home runs and you wouldn't want it on your fantasy team outside of like how do you hit 15 home runs in 100 games and still slug 379 that's everything you need to know about what rugnet odor is bringing to the table for fantasy right now right right. 15 home runs in 102 games and a 379 slug. That's wild. Mm. Actually, he actually has done this before too. In 2017, he hit 30 home runs and slugged 397. Amazing. Mm. <laughs> That's he, he can like break the game. He had 30 home runs. Do you know what is I, I we're gonna end with this because I'm just ranting about Rugnet Odor. 2017 is just amazing. His age 23 season, he hits 30 home runs, he steals 15 bases. Beautiful, uh, right? Hit, yeah. yeah. He had a 56 WRC plus. <laughs> what? That's a, I didn't even know that was possible. Uh, I think that's the same year that Nomar Mazzara got like 100 RBI for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's around that time when the Rangers, like they were really good offensively, but part of it was like park factors and, you know, this so-called jet stream and all that. But like this guy managed to hit 30 home runs and not slug 400. Yeah. Like that means something is deeply wrong with the profile yes yes that shouldn't work like that's that's broken in the bad way like what otani does breaks the system in a good way people shouldn't be able to have the fastest pitch the hardest hit ball and the furthest hit ball like how do you get all those right um and like the fastest sprint speed in the game like how does one guy get all those that's broken rugen out of doors like how do you do so many good things and end up so bad <laughs> How does that happen? Uh, it's something we're gonna have to uh, get our crack staff, the, uh, the, our data the scientists, right? <laughs> yeah, find the that. mysteries of life that yes. you can be that good and also be terrible. Yes. Objectively, hey, a, fi- a fifty-six WRC plus is objectively awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did it with thirty home runs. Ah! Just so that we don't leave with this bad taste in our mouth of, of Runyon Odor, I'll just mention, keep an eye out for Nolan Gorman for the Cardinals. I know I spoke about Tommy Edmond earlier, but basically this guy, uh, Nolan Gorman, is waiting in the wings, uh, power hitting, second base eligible player for the Cardinals, can play some third base as well. 
uh, hit 25 home runs between AAA and A. So other than that, uh, unless there's any more strategy that you want to impart, Scott, uh, you did a great job today. I'm just glad you're here giving people actual information and not just complaining about Rugnet Odor having <laughs> good stats that are terrible. Rugnet Odor. <laughs> like, that's going to be that. You're like, oh, man. I, like, I, if I, I want to, like, clickbait the podcast and just be like, they talked about Rugnet Odor for five minutes? <laughs> so why does Scott have so many facts about Rugnet Odor? Because he makes no sense. Because that shouldn't work. Mm. Because it's it, because it's evil magic. That's why it's evil but he's magic. Gonna, but, but he's going to be a starting major leaguer this year. He kind of yeah. looks like he would know evil magic, though. Mm. Like when he had the little beard when he was getting punched by Jose Batista. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'll tell you when when he had to shave off his beard uh, as a Yankee. Uh, his I don't know how old his kid was. Obviously, very mm-hmm. young, but uh, his kid didn't recognize him anymore. So, <laughs> whatever happened to his shorts he was wearing shorts for a while well, we appreciate you guys listening to the Rugnet yeah, yeah, exactly. let's stop podcast. now before uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, alright so great stuff as always there Scott what, what are we doing next uh, short or uh, third base what do you want to do next next week let's do shortstop I'm not I'm not emotionally ready to talk about third base <laughs> very very deep shortstop position next week uh, Wednesday, February 16th. And don't forget to follow me at Joe Glee. Don't forget to follow that guy. His name is Scott Chu at If the Chu Fits. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL if there's anything specific that you'd like us to cover. Or if you'd like us to stop talking about Runyon Odor, let us know there. So yeah, uh, we're not going to, but let us know. <laughs> subscribe to our uh, podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a nice review. Or just tell us to stop talking about Runyon Odor. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.